Hey, it's Jason Flatland here. You're listening to The Jason Flatland Show, where I'll be sharing everything from sales and webinar tips to improving productivity and reaching your infinite potential. Jason Flatland here. I'm going to show you how to create a killer offer via a checklist. So I'm going to put the checklist on the screen. I'm going to have my team put it up here somewhere so you can see it right now as I'm talking. And then we're going to go through each of these step by step. I got the checklist locked and loaded right over here, slightly out of skew of camera's eye. Don't hold that against me. I figured it was important to get down to business. So let's do it. Core offer, price, bonuses, scarcity, and risk. These are the five components of a killer offer. And it doesn't matter what type of offer you're making. It doesn't matter how you're making it. You have the core part of it. You have what you charge for that. You have the bonuses that they get for free, the extra goodies, if you will, the scarcity, which means the benefit of acting fast and the pain of inaction. They want to know what those terms are. And then the risk involved in order to acquire what you're selling. So let's start with the core offer. I have four things that I'm looking to do in a core offer. The first is I want to have an attractive name that automatically creates desire of ownership for your target market. So that's the first thing that we're looking for. So a boring name or a blase name generally doesn't cut it. An over-the-top, hypey, crazy name doesn't cut it either. It actually detracts the value of what you're selling. So back in the day, there used to be these ClickBank offers that were like assassin, sniper, profit machine, artillery, gunfight number 17. I'm just making that up, but it was ridiculous. So the hype was too, too hypey. Now I have a product called Product E-Class and it's a pretty boring name, but because it has brand value these days, we've kept it. So that's on the lower end of the scale versus the higher end of the scale. You want something somewhere in the middle that's attractive. When somebody hears it immediately, they're like, ooh, I want that. That's interesting. Let me know what that is. And so the more specific you can name it to a market that you're serving, the better that that will land. So that's the first element. Second element, a one sentence benefit statement focused on the transformation that your product provides. So this is a good lesson no matter what you're selling. If you only had one sentence to sell the thing in, what would that sentence be? Nobody seems to have that. <laughs> it's crazy to me. You should have that elevator pitch version of your product. Now, the reason why is nobody usually buys your thing with one single sentence. It's just asking too much. That's why most people skip over it. But what I've discovered is if you can be succinct with it, you have a now strong foundation that you could build upon further. And the real lesson to this exercise is most people focus on the product, not on the outcome. What's important is people aren't buying your products, they're buying the outcomes. And so this forces you to focus on the outcome in a single sentence. So, and then here's the way I use this procedurally. If I'm selling this generally on a webinar is how I sell, I'll say, it's with great pleasure. I introduce to you very attractive product name and people say, Ooh, that sounds great. And then after that, I hit them with the one sentence benefit statement. So it's like a one, two punch, boom, boom. They're like, Oh man, this is really awesome. Then the third thing you want to do on your checklist for your offer is the four to seven highlights of your offer. So generally you have four to seven key things about your offer that just blow somebody's mind more than anything else. So if you think about how you would sell a car, there's thousands of things that you can point out related to the car. Most of them are inconsequential. Have you ever seen one of those manuals that come with the car and they're like thick and it's on like six point type and it would take you 50 hours to read the manual. Imagine if somebody sold you like that. Well, let's start talking about how these spark plugs are designed and made. No, you don't need to know about the spark plugs. There's generally about four to seven things that you need to know about that are interesting to you before you decide to buy a car or not, which is one of the biggest purchases that most people make in their life besides a house is a car. And so what we want to do with your core offer here is what are the most important four to seven elements of that offer? 
then we want to give it a headline, just like you would write a headline for a sales letter or a headline for an email or a headline for whatever. And then we want to have a couple bullet points, just easy, punchy things that get people excited, that make them say, I got to buy the product so I can get that outcome. And that, by the way, takes a while to explain if you want to put some math to it is like, if we have four key components of the offer, headline, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, headline, bullet point, bullet point, bullet point, that will probably, if you were selling this on a webinar, probably take you two to five minutes just off of that alone. And then what we want to do for those core elements of the offer, the core offer, the four elements, the five, six, seven, we want to put proof elements besides our claims. So if you say something along the lines of we spent $250,000 of our own research to figure this out, show the receipts, show the invoices, show something. Otherwise, you could just be making it up. And even if you're not making up, if you don't validate the claim of what that part of the core offer does, it's less likely to land. It's less likely to resonate with the audience. And that's it, though. If I'm selling on a webinar of my core offer, I want you to think that you've seen everything and that you know what the full deal is before I make the pitch for the price, which is coming next. And I want to do that in five minutes or less. What I normally see people doing with their core offer, if they're selling it on a stage or on a webinar or at some sort of event on their feet, is they spend... 15 minutes on the thing crazy right too long the other problem too is if it's in print so if somebody's writing out a sales letter for it is they spend all this time to introduce the offer and it's pages and pages or it's minutes and minutes in a video sales letter if you will and then they still belabor the offer they get way into the features of the offer and they focus too much on every little tiny detail about the offer and then people fall asleep before they learn how to buy now here's what i do next that's very different than everybody else and that's why i think we get better results than everybody else gets and nine out of ten Ten times when I tell somebody to do this, it significantly improves their conversion. Nothing is 100%, of course. It is this. Price comes second. So here's the core offer first. And I want to get that done as fast as possible. And then I want to put the price in right after that. Now, here's the reason why we put price in second is because nobody can decide whether they want to buy something or not until they know what the price is. Now, most people show you everything and then they end on price. And then the focus is on cost. I show you very little up front, just the core offer, which is the shortest part of the full deal of how I present something related to the totality of the offer. And then I put the price in. Now, the price is likely you're going to say no the first time you see the price of anything that you're interested in buying. Most things beyond impulse purchases or beyond little transitory types of deals, you don't really care too much. You either buy it or you don't. But for higher price goods and things that require a little bit more consideration, a little bit more effort of ownership, you're most likely to default to no even if you want the thing because no is easy. Anything other than no is challenging because you've got to fill stuff out, you got to spend the money, and then hopefully the benefit comes back to you later. So the default position is no. This is why we put the price up front. So if people want to say no, we get them to say no immediately. Or if people want to say maybe, they can only say maybe really seriously once they know what the price is. Now, occasionally some people will say yes, and that's fantastic because we get them to say yes soon, right away. And they don't have to wait till later to say yes and give us their money later. They can give it to us sooner. So this is why there's some logic here of core offer and then price. Now, this is what we do with price. We don't spend a whole bunch of time on price because you don't need to spend a whole bunch of time on price. We go through the offer, the core portion of the offer. Then we reveal what the price should be. So we anchor the value to something much higher than what the price actually is. My favorite way to do this essentially goes, here's what it's worth to me. Here's what it's worth to others that I've shown this to. Here is what this type of thing goes for on the market traditionally. 
Here's what we normally offer it at. Here's your special offer if you take advantage before the countdown timer expires or for whatever reason that the scarcity. So that's the first mention of scarcity. So scarcity will be interwoven throughout the whole presentation of the offer. But that's really the first major portion where you see it, where there's a special deal that if you act fast enough, you can secure an even deeper discount. And there is something to be said about even if you know that this is an act of marketing and you're the consumer on the other end, it doesn't matter if we put a large number in somebody's mind, the anchor is large to small, which is much preferable from small to large. <laughs> remember when, you might not remember this, I don't know how old you are, but Netflix several years back, they raised their price by like a dollar or two and had a mutiny on their hands. Everybody freaked out because even if it's a small increase in price from like $9 to $10, people lose their mind. So it's better to start with an absurdly high price, drop it, drop it again, drop it one more time, and then tell them what the actual price is. Now, so the checklist that I have is reveal your price before you show the bonuses. That's the first check. Second check is anchor the value of your offer to something much higher price, as we discussed. Third, have a clear, direct call to action of how to buy your product. So on a webinar, I say, this is what this has been worth to me big number. This has been what it's worked to others. Also a huge number. This is what something like this comparable on the market would go for. High number. This is what we normally retail it at. Regular price. This is your special deal when you go to example.com slash yes and sign up before the countdown timer expires. It's a very clear call to action. If you were doing this one-to-one, -one, it would be, and if you sign up right now and you slide it over, then you can get started today for just blank. You tell them what to do essentially. You sign this contract, I can get this to you at this deal. What we really want the customer to feel is like they're ripping us off. That's what I shoot for when I create the whole offer is I want them to feel almost guilty like, man, you shouldn't be giving this away at this price. I get it. I understand why you are. Hopefully you don't come to your senses before I give you the money. I think you're going to come to your senses one day, but let me buy right away before you do come to your senses. So that's how we juxtapose price so they understand that it should be way more than what it actually is. And now we move on to bonuses. By far, the most important facet of the offer in terms of deliverables are the bonuses. So the first check I have on my offer checklist is make your bonuses more valuable than the product itself. Everybody gets this backwards. They put all the best stuff in the product and then they sell you the, the bonuses as scraps or they offer for free the bonuses as scrap. Major mistake. There's a psychological component where when you get something for free that you shouldn't get for free, it feels so much better. It's crazy, right? Like, I, I should have to pay a lot of money for this and I get it for free. Oh my God, what a good deal. That's how people think. And so we want to lean into that. So we make the bonus, the best part of the offer is something they can't buy. They can only get for free. But the string that's attached to it is they have to buy the core thing to get the bonus for free. So once upon a time, Wells Fargo, there was a promotion they did a long time ago. Wouldn't work today in the current culture. But once upon a time, they said, if you opened up a bank account, we'll give you a free shotgun. People that otherwise would not open up bank accounts did not need to open up bank accounts with Wells Fargo. We're going to open up the bank account just to get the shotgun. Shotgun had nothing to do with the bank account. Tenuous relationship at best. Interesting. It'd probably be like, okay, do you want to create more bank robbers? Well, give them more guns. I don't know. It didn't make a lot of sense. But because the bonus was so good, people went and did it. The football clock for Sports Illustrated is kind of the same deal. It has nothing to do with reading articles in a magazine. But the clock was so cool. People wanted it so bad. They would buy the damn magazines and throw them away just to get this clock. So make your bonus more valuable than the product itself. That's the key 
hallmark of a killer offer is to have these bonuses that are ridiculous. And by the way, they, they're exclusive. You can't get them anywhere else. So make your bonuses more valuable than the product itself. Link a price and value to each individual bonus. So again, we're focusing on value. If these bonuses have actual retail value, because they can be gotten from somewhere else, but the retail value is really high, then you can use that. I do like when we have actual retail value. So what I like to do is I would say, hey, listen, we took a piece out of this course over here or this thing over there that retails for $2,500 and we put it in over here in this bonus for free. So one thing you can do is you can pull a portion out of a different product. So say you, you're selling something over here that's like $2,000 and you pull a component out of it and then you put it in your new offer that you're selling over here. What you can say is this thing that I've given you as a bonus, you can't buy anywhere on its own. The only way to get this would be to buy this other course over here for $2,000 and then you could get this. So now we get the best of both worlds. We get the exclusivity because you can't buy it on its own. You'd have to buy it as part of something else and that something else has a high retail value associated with it. And sometimes we do this where we have bonuses pulled out of $2,500 products that we put into $1,500 products. So literally the only way to get this bonus would be to pay more for the course where the bonus is contained in than what I'm selling you today. That's what makes it a really good deal. I use multiple media for your bonuses. So if it's like, hey, here's six Zoom sessions I did on six different topics, or here's nine different checklists for nine different things. It's not nine bonuses. It's one bonus repeated nine times. So we want multiple modalities. So we, I love bonuses that have, you know, a component is software, a component is one-on-one -on -one coaching, a component is a Facebook group, a component is a, is a cheat sheet, a component is like an audit, a component is a case study, something that has different deliverables, not just the same deliverable for every single bonus if you can save your best bonus for last. So I like to lead with my second best bonus. So when we do that call to action, you know, we show the core offer, we reveal the actual price, we tell them where to go to sign up, we say, and best of all, if you sign up fast enough before this offer expires, there's a scarcity again, then you're gonna get some really great bonuses. Bonus number one, boom, and that's your second best bonus. And then you end on a high note, which is your best bonus. Save your best bonus for last. We sell the bonuses similar to the components of the core offer, sexy title, reason why it's a bonus, three to four highlights about that bonus with proof attached to it, and then put a value on it. Total up the value of all your bonuses, and all of a sudden the bigger, bigger number of value goes up and the price is small, it's a pittance compared to the value. Now let's talk about the scarcity part of the checklist. There's really only four ways that something can be scarce. It's either scarce, meaning it goes away or the price increases. Those are your two options based upon a time limit or a quantity limit. So those are the only four components. And so is your price going to go up after a certain time or after a certain quantity is sold? Then the other thing is access. Is the offer going to go away after a certain time or after a certain quantity is sold? Are the bonuses exclusive to this offer and unavailable anywhere else or are they not exclusive? I prefer exclusive bonuses. That's what I shoot for. So if we put a bonus here, we can't use that bonus anywhere else or we can't do anything else with it. The ideal, the paradigm that I shoot for is the bonuses are exclusive just to that offer. They're not available anywhere else. You couldn't buy them normally. They're not attached to the offer normally. So generally the normal price of the product is higher and it doesn't come with bonuses. The special offer is the price is lower and it comes with all these bonuses. And none of these 
visa bonuses are available anywhere else in any other product and you can't buy these bonuses on their own. That makes scarcity extra, extra supercharged, extra special. And then the third checklist under scarcity, give a believable, compelling reason for why the offer is scarce. So it can't just be like, because I want you to buy and I'm manipulating you, so you have to buy right away. <laughs> that doesn't work, right? So you have to come up with a reason. Typically, the reason that I make, which is always true, I always give a true reason why, but sometimes it doesn't have to be that complicated. It can just be like, listen, if I left you on your own and I didn't give you a time limit, you would think about this forever. And then you would never make a decision. So we just got to know if you're in or out by this time. Sometimes the reason why is that it's, I treat this like a bus. Everybody's got to get on the bus. I'm waiting for you to get on the bus. But then once the bus gets ready to leave, you're either on or you're not on because we have to make a decision and we got to at some point in time switch our focus from getting new customers on to focusing on the existing customers that we have. And so that's another reason. My favorite reasons why for scarcity is because there absolutely has to be some sort of limitation attached to it. And there's no two ways about it. So if I'm selling an exclusive in-person event and we only have 50 spots, because that's the size of the room, then that's the best scarcity you could ever have is where it's so powerful. A damaged goods offer, these are why these are so incredible because you have 178 damaged mattresses. They're functionally just fine, but the problem was they put the labels on backwards. So you need to get rid of them fast. So then the, it's believable for the price discount. It's believable for the scarcity that kind of stuff crushes it. The last checklist on scarcity is emphasize both the benefit of acting fast and the pain of missing out. So people generally do one or another. I find it has more powerful if you go from both angles, carrot and stick. Then lastly, risk. First check mark, what's the worst case scenario for investing and why is it still better than not investing at all? So I love to think about this when I'm constructing an offer. What if this person is the unluckiest S who's ever existed and everything that they do goes wrong, even though they're sincere and even though they try their hardest? And I say, how can I make that person succeed despite all that with this offer? And we do that by removing the risk. So I think through that and then I use that to inform the offer that I'm going to be making. Second check part, uh, can you offer a no questions asked money back guarantee? Can it be presented with impact? So generally it makes more sense than not to have some sort of money back guarantee. Ideally it's unconditional. That's not always possible, but that's where we try to make it if we can. And then just having it is one thing, but selling it making it sexy, making it powerful is another thing. So can we name the guarantee? Can the guarantee have a cool name? Can we do a dramatic demonstration related to the guarantee? Stuff like that. Now the extra credit level, almost nobody does this, but man, if you can do this, it changes everything. Can you do a conditional better than money back guarantee? So are there some things that if they meet these requirements and do not get a certain result, you'll give them double their money back or beyond double their money back? Those things are very hard to do, but if you can pull them off, it is one of the greatest sales pitches that you can ever design. Almost every single offer I've ever done that's knocked it out of the park had a regular guarantee and a better than money back guarantee. And the last check mark, besides money, what other risk can you mitigate or completely remove? So I think about time a lot. How can I show somebody that their time will never be wasted if they do this? So if they try this out and they don't get the result that they want, how are they still better off? So how can we minimize beyond the financial risk? What other risks are there when they try this out? And how can we make those risks seem insignificant? Render those risks inert. So this is not all. 
there's a lot more that you can do with an offer, especially if you're playing in the big leads. I can give you 15, 20, 30, 40 other considerations, but these are the key ones. These are the, the 20% that makes the 80% results. How you position your core offer, when you reveal your price, what you do with the bonuses, how you introduce scarcity, how you make it believable, how you minimize risk. Those are your key components of a killer offer. Get to work. Let me know how it works out for you. Hey, Jason Flyland here. Thanks for listening to my podcast. If you found this helpful at all, please leave me a review. And thanks again and stay tuned for future episodes.